Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, uh, a podcast, vlog, whatever you want to call it, uh, conversations with uh, school district executives uh, in response to the pandemic. And now, hopefully more forward thinking, what is education going to look like after the pandemic? What are the lessons that we've learned through this horrible time and, and survived through this horrible time that we can take and use going forward to maybe hopefully improve the way we teach and learn. And uh, the gentleman with me today, uh, I've had the pleasure to meet uh, over the years in person many times, uh, talking about just such things. Although, Scott, I don't think we ever talked about uh, COVID or coronaviruses uh, in any of those conversations, right? Between digital equity and uh, one-to-one devices, the pandemics never really came up. That is correct. And uh, had that come up, I would have uh, questioned where you were getting your information. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. But that's where we are. And uh, and here we are on, on the Zoom platform. Uh, hopefully we'll see each other in person again soon. But uh, wanted to catch up with you uh, and ask you, as one of the more innovative districts I know in, in, in the country, um, I guess I have to ask the question first, how did the pandemic go? Okay. What is the state of play in your district right now? And then we'll move past that and, and go to the future. But first, we just I want to get a, a sense of what your experience has been through all this madness. Sure, Kevin. It's great to see you again, by the way. Uh, and again, I appreciate the opportunity to share today. I'm very proud of our district, Desert Sands Unified School District here in Southern California. And I think you, uh, you set it up perfectly for me when you said, what's a state of play? because I've been using that analogy a lot. Uh, June 4th concludes our, our school year this year. And uh, the best analogy I can think of is that football field. We've been trying to gain as much yardage as possible when we saw a window to do so. And those windows were created by the public health metrics, so largely the case rates and positivity rates in the, in the, uh, the state of California, and more specifically to Riverside County where we reside. So as those opportunities came available and some of the restrictions were reduced, we would move the ball uh, toward the goal line. And uh, June 4th uh, will, will symbolize uh, us making uh, the touchdown. We've, we've had students back in the buildings as much as possible this year, beginning March of 2021. So it was almost a year since the March 13th, 2020 emergency shutdowns. Uh, that we worked our way through this pandemic. And I just, you know, I give kudos to staff and students as well as their families because our community has been extremely resilient and demonstrated a lot of grit uh, to, to make that goal. Absolutely. Now, uh, in my conversations with other districts, a number of themes have emerged that and I'll, maybe I'll throw a few at you to see if, if that's been your experience as well. Uh, the first thing I think that has um maybe possibly permanently change is the idea of hybrid learning. Uh, I guess so last, last March uh, was a forced migration to complete remote learning. People didn't like that phrase too much. Uh, it seemed that it was more about just keeping connections with students than necessarily developing a curriculum. Uh, over the course of this year, a number of districts uh, said they intend to keep a remote learning option uh, maybe a virtual academy sort of thing, while other districts are have the intention to outfit classrooms with flat screens and document cameras and still have a hybrid option. Where um, where do you see your district in the midst of all of those different uh, opportunities? 
Well, I appreciate your comment that we're one of the more innovative uh, school districts and, and certainly we take great pride in that. And I, I give kudos to my board of education for supporting that innovation. Uh, I can tell you where I wanna be and that is exactly as you stated to offer options to, to parents and students. We learned through this pandemic a forced transformation, so to speak, that distance learning um, actually worked fairly well for uh, a percentage of our staff, and it worked fairly well for a percentage of students and families. In fact, when given the option in, in March to continue with distance learning or take the option to come back in person, uh, what was two days per week and now four days per week, um, we had about 40%, 37%, I think, specifically of parents that opted to stay on distance learning for the rest oh. of the year. So that in itself uh, says quite a bit about, um, you know, the, the degree of satisfaction, largely driven by um, uh, the current uh, concerns for public health. Yeah. So looking into the future, I would like to offer a, a virtual option for parents and align staff resources accordingly. However, uh, you, you've heard me say this before, I, I uh, consistently refer to the fact that we need to think creatively inside the box. Um, and that box is defined by law, regulation, policy. And uh, you know, on that note, we're currently monitoring activity at the legislative level. Uh, because we know that um, we're getting signals that our flexibility for a full-on virtual option may be uh, governed largely. So we're going to have to think creatively inside of whatever this, uh, this new law uh, would, would indicate. The, the, the early indicator, so to speak, would uh, signify that... Um, we can offer what's called an independent study option uh, with some accountability measures, including uh, uh, daily uh, synchronous and asynchronous instruction, uh, opportunities to meet in person. Uh, this is some of the draft language. So we're closely monitoring that to see what the boundaries of the box will be. And then yeah. we will react to those boundaries in a creative fashion. That's great. Uh, let me ask you about the platform that we're using right now. Um, this has really kind of been the greatest uh, beta test of technology in history, the shift to Zoom and synchronous communications. Uh, a lot of districts have also told me that they have discovered some innovative ways to use this. And in fact, when it comes to communications with uh, the new staff of parent teaching assistants that were, that were created as a result of the pandemic, uh, some dynamics in terms of telehealth, in terms of um, special education interviews, in terms of guidance counseling, um, that this form of communication can sometimes even be better than the in-person dynamic. Some of, there's some power dynamics that go on in a, in, a, in a room full of five adults and one child that are kind of ameliorated when, you, when, when you're on a Zoom, right? Talk a little bit about that and your experience that you found uh, in your district with, I guess, first, um, is there a different relationship now with parents as a result of this experience and whether you see this technology platform sticking around uh, as we progress after disease? Well, uh, you raise a good point. Yes, 
the pandemic, no doubt, uh, shook the foundation of teaching and learning as we knew it. And this is our opportunity as educators, as a community, to put the pieces back together the way we want them to be put back together to benefit uh, students. So I, I'm looking forward to that opportunity. And, and you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the force transformation has caused us to reflect on those things that actually worked that we hadn't experimented with before. We were forced to experiment and found that a lot of these opportunities will will continue. Uh, however, some <laughs> will be purged. Yes. Uh, I, I think of the uh, the plan, do, study, act wheel that we use in our continuous improvement model here in the district. So you plan something, you do something, you check the results and you act upon it. So we have to decide as a system, what do we want to adopt in our continuous and, uh, improvement cycle? And what do we want to purge from that cycle? So again, it's an opportunity to put the pieces back together now that the foundation has been cracked so that we come out with a, with a better uh, structure for public education in this case. Another uh, aspect, um, well, I, I keep hearing the term accelerate. So on the, on the ed tech industry side, a lot of executives are talking about how they had development plans for products or services that have just were sped up and introduced, sometimes offered to, for free to districts to use. They got that beta testing more quickly. Um, from the district side, from the user side, were there technologies that maybe were on a back shelf somewhere that were maybe seen as a luxury or, hey, we'll, you know, we'll get to it. When it comes to, say, like personalized learning techniques or, 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 or you know, instructional differentiation, uh, things like that, which were then kind of taken off the shelf and, and put into use. Uh, any, any sort of in, in, innovative ideas or techniques that, that came out of last spring in your district? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that we actually employed anything new to a large degree, but I would say that we, we as you stated, accelerated some of the current uh, programs and strategies that were already in place. Um, if anything, we accelerated our technology plan to uh, the umph degree because we had additional funds that were applicable for those expenses. Just to give you an idea, our district, as you know, has been recognized uh, through a congressional report, um, through COSIN recently, and, and now uh, uh, with the California State Golden Bell Award because of our LTE network build. We just happened to finish that build, which allowed equitable connectivity uh, through district-owned uh, devices for our 27,000 students pre-pandemic. So that served us well. Uh, so that, that was a, a great uh, launching point for us to move the, the technology plan ahead, which included the delivery of uh, large format displays in every classroom, wow. as well as cameras uh, across the district at 34 schools. So uh, and on top of that, we upgraded our audio systems in those classrooms to be state of the art. So we've accelerated uh, what we thought was going to take a few years to complete uh, in one year, uh, largely because we needed to do it and we had the money to do it. Yeah. Well, talk a little bit more about the uh, that equity piece. I wanted to ask you about that again. I know that you've been on the forefront of these things. Um the equity issue that we've talked about for years, again, at these events that we would wring our hands and it was kind of an esoteric sort of conversation that would happen. March 13th for many districts, it 
that became such a stark reality that you had tech directors getting in their cars and driving hotspots to students. Um, it sounded like you you were ahead of the game, so to speak. I'll assume you still had some challenges there, but maybe you know for our, our people who are watching, I mean, your district could be a good case study for what hopefully is going to happen in districts around the country in the, in the next several months, right? So talk a little bit about your recommendations for other districts um, to get themselves in to solve that equity puzzle. Sure. Uh, I'll be the first to say there's no one size fits all. Uh, I, I have a very uh, innovative team. Uh, you're familiar with Dr. Kel Kelly Mae Vollmer, uh, who actually serves on COSIN. And she certainly drove this, this initiative for the LTE build and to get the devices in students' hands. Uh, when you look at each district, however, uh, I, I've obviously served uh, in, in various states and districts. They all come with their unique circumstances. Uh, largely, uh, one of the, the inhibiting factors is line of sight communications on the ground. In our case, we were able to actually retrofit uh, our old microwave towers on specific buildings, uh, school buildings throughout the district, 752 square miles of attendance zone, so that we had adequate coverage of, uh, of broadband throughout uh, that entire attendance zone. So basically, if you think about a heat map, we had some cold spots, some hot spots, some you know, lukewarm spots. So we retrofitted and fed the, uh, the uh, broadband through those towers, and then that communicates with MiFi devices in, in student households through the district-owned devices. So that, that filled in the gap and allowed for equitable access. And yes, you're absolutely right. When we had to do a hard shutdown, uh, we had a hard learning curve on uh, how to, uh, to make that uh, opportunity as robust as possible. So just as you stated, we had, uh, we had tech tents uh, where people could swing through drive-ins and get their uh, Chromebooks uh, uh, repaired or replaced immediately, um, checking out MiFi devices uh, as, as needed by specific students and their families. So yeah, we had to, uh, to reinvent ourselves quickly, even though we had the foundational elements to be successful in closing the digital divide. Yeah. Well, let me ask you um, to kind of give us a forecast. Uh, again, I mean, it sounds like in many ways, you're even a, a few steps ahead of a, of a lot of districts in this country when it comes to not only implementing technology before the pandemic, but pivoting during it. Um, so we need a soothsayer. We need to uh, get some advice about what the horizon is going to look like. So talk about your, and let's, let's talk in best case scenarios, right? I mean, it's, we're still in a pandemic. Give us your, your best case scenario for the fall. And then maybe, uh, you know, this time next year, when we're back to whatever our new normal is. How, how significantly different do you see your district uh, being at that time? Absolutely. Well, you know, perfect picture, rose-colored glasses. I fully plan on a full five-day-per-week instructional model with an option, whatever that option may look like. Uh, at this point, you know, reading the tea leaves on the legislation in California, I would state that uh, it looks like we're going to have what we knew as an independent study only uh, uh, expanded. So independent study, in, independent study plus, I'll call it yep. at this point. But we have we have to wait and see what that legislation um, share uh, denotes to us. Uh, but yeah, perfect perfect world. That's exactly where we would be um, offering um, 
a robust instructional program in person and an option for independent study under whatever the, the law will allow us to do at that time. We have grown a lot. Uh, you know, uh, my, my uh, food service, for example, uh, those folks since the hard shutdown, I think they've prepared and served over 6 million meals. It's amazing. Uh, but they've learned some, some tricks uh, that allowed better service and streamlined their operations that I'm sure they will, they will move forward. And certainly our teachers and, uh, you know, classified staff have been pushed to, to think creatively inside the box and they will bring, be bringing those strategies in, into their instructional repertoire as well. So I, I see us again, employing those things that worked, although it was forced uh, and, rethinking or purging those things that we no longer see as necessary or beneficial in our charge to deliver a quality public education. Yeah. Well, Scott, thank you for your time and thank you for your insights. I think, uh, you know, the various aspects of this mess that we've been in, um, again, offer valuable lessons going forward. And I think will ultimately help improve the way um, that we teach our kids and I always appreciate, uh, you know, your, your thoughtfulness on the subject. And uh, I hope if you don't mind, I'll be following up with you to uh, follow the, you know, the continued progress, especially when it comes to the, to the digital equity aspect of it. Cause I think that that, I think there's a real opportunity now nationwide, if not internationally to have an understanding of the importance of that. Right. Absolutely. Uh, for, for one thing, for sure. Uh, we've gotten a lot better acquainted with uh, with our our parents, and uh, the parents have gotten a lot better acquainted with our teachers this year uh, through through virtual interactions. And we will continue to build on those relationships uh, as we return to in person instruction this fall. Yeah. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it. Uh, and thanks everyone for watching this episode of uh, Innovations in, Ep in Education. I'm Kevin Hogan.